What are our solutions to kind of get out of this co-optedness that we feel like the world has brought us as a church back into? What steps do we need to be taking to get back to the fundamental foundational principle of this, which is the relationship? Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Intersection, a podcast that takes a real look at how race and relationships intersect. We will look at how our unique and diverse lives intersect with thousands of people on a regular basis and how the gospel intersects with each facet and issue that we face. Join us as we look at how we can set our eyes on the life of Christ as a source of compassion for each of our relationships. Our hosts include Pastor Jeff Bogue, Senior Pastor at Grace Church of Greater Akron, Bishop Joey Johnson, founder and senior pastor at the House of the Lord, and pastor coach Kemp Boyd, co-pastor at Garden City Church and executive director for Love Akron. Keep listening as we cross paths on today's episode of The Intersection. I'll just say, I, I don't want to be trite, but I'm, but I'm going to be trite. Um, be trite. <laughs> Try to be trite. The church has to be the church and the church is no longer the church the church is now a place where we are trying to uh, placate uh, what so many different people believe think feel whatever that we end up not being the church not able to talk about certain things not able to enter into certain conversations and um and all of that kind of stuff and i just said to somebody not on this topic but on a, a different topic but kind of it's kind of related um you know if you if you're going to get uh this or you're going to get this kind of people or you're going to get this kind of people then you got to do this and i just said well i ain't doing that i'm i'm 70 years old i'm going on to heaven uh, where the way I am, um, the gospel <laughs> is the gospel. Uh, I'm not going to be smug about it. I'm not going to be cruel about it. I'm not going to be dumb about it. But it is the gospel. We went through this whole thing of seeker sensitiveness, mm-hmm. and then we went from seeker sensitive, seeker friendly. I feel to seeker driven. Um, we don't want to offend anybody, and we don't not purposely. But the gospel offends. Right. It doesn't offend because I want it to offend. It offends because it's calling a world, yeah, it's calling a world. into a different standard because it's yeah. calling the world to know that you need Jesus. It's going to offend somebody. I can't stop it from doing that. And yet we are constantly trying to place ourselves in this politically correct position so that we are, so I don't offend anybody. So I'm not saying, but make sure people understand we ought to offend people. We ought to go out and just blast the gospel no matter what. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there comes a point when the gospel is the gospel, the truth is the truth, and people are going to disagree with that, but it's where I stand. And if I, you don't want to go to my church, then I understand that. I bless you as you go, wherever you go. I love you, but I am not changing my stand because that's where you are. So I think that what we're doing, Brother Jeff and 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 uh, uh, Brother Dan, what we what we're doing, and Brother Kemp, what we're doing is not only are we modeling what that looks like, but in certain cases, I need to call my constituency to where I am, my friends, my people, my pastors, those in my fellowship, and say, "Hey, this is where I stand. Come and stand with me. Not just stand there alone." But come and put some pressure. Come and stand with me because I know that what Pastor Jeff just said about America, I can't say that. If I say that, it will be, well, you know, why don't you love it or leave it? Go back to Africa or wherever you want to go. It's going to be a whole different thing about how it's taken. But when we stand together, then it gives us a much greater grasp of what the issues are and what's going on. Dr. Hawk, you need to say something because I'm I need you up in here. Oh, I'm 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 tracking with you all the way. And I'm I'm just uh, I know we gotta we we gotta transition here, but it I just wonder if um we just don't want to take the words of our Lord seriously. Um it just comes right down. Jesus, 
I mean, we started off by by that that text in Galatians, but uh, where Paul is really referencing how Jesus summed up the whole of the Bible, yeah. which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the vertical. And then love your neighbor as yourself. They're inseparable. That's the whole gospel. That's and and that's pretty simple. I mean, really, that's 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 all that's required. But we're so far from that. Um, and and John the Apostle. I mean, you talk about love and justice. John the Apostle says, "How can you love God whom you cannot see?" If you do not love your brother, whom you do see, I mean, so it's it, it, Dr. It, Hawk, you're getting radical now. Well, I, I, you know, I'm just a simple Bible Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I like what what Kim's saying and calling us to in terms of the practicality of doing that in in churches that are just loaded with all of this this in infectious, uh, vile uh, way, uh, animosity and division. How do we do that? The, the, uh, when Jesus, you know, when Jesus says, you know, the greatest commandment is love the Lord God for your heart, soul, mind, strength, if you combine the Gospels, and, and then love your neighbor as yourself, he goes on, he says, all the law and all the prophets hang on these commandments. Yep. You, you cannot interpret scripture correctly if you're not interpreting it through love lord your god through your heart soul mind strength and love your neighbor as yourself and i think some of the answer i was just reading on down here in galatians kemp you know um he says you know in verse 15 he says but always uh but if you're always biting and devouring each other watch out beware of destroying one another and so he says this he goes so i say let the holy spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your evil, uh, what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants to do. And so th this idea that, that I'm looking and saying, I want to be led by the spirit of God. I want the word of God to be empowered by the spirit of God in my life. That is the authority of the Christian's life. And when, when I am thinking about life from politics, money, sex, addiction, if there's any filter in front of my, uh, the spirit of God, uh -huh. then my relationship with God has been corrupted. Yep. And so looking back and saying, okay, what would the spirit of God want? Like we're, we're um, uh, tomorrow, I think it is, whatever you listen to the podcast, for us it'll be tomorrow. We're having a, a prayer gathering. I'm like, that's exactly what we should be doing. We should be getting together physically, praying for God's work, protection, leadership. Because the other thing that does within the body of Christ is it causes personal relationships, personal empathy. We're going to hear some things we don't want to hear. And we're going to see some perspectives we don't want to see. And then we're going to ask the spirit of God to push away our opinions and our biases to, to lead his body the way that he wants to go. Because I believe in Akron, we, God looks at the church in terms of the city, not in the terms of the look. It's not the house of the Lord and Grace Church and, and uh, Garden City. It's the Church of Akron. And so the Church of Akron unites and moves forward and, and and i agree bishop we may have to pull the swap sometime i might have to turn you loose in my country because i'm i'm like guys i don't jesus said i came to divide i i father mother sister like i i didn't come so that we would all get along because jesus's claims and his life and his direction are divisive because it always removes me. And the, the person who doesn't click with Jesus is the person who says, I want to add Jesus to me instead of I want to die to myself and be known as Christ. Amen. And that, that by itself is a divisive statement. And it, 
the church is not going to be, the culture is not going to allow us to tiptoe around um, that part of the gospel anymore. Yep. They're, they're demanding that, that we take a position on that. And I, I'm with, I'm with you brothers. I'm going to, if I'm going down, I'm going down on the side of Christ. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Brother, brother Jeff, I'm going to drop one, 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 one level below that. Cause I think it, you're hitting the nail all on the head. And then uh, there's another thing I want to add. So, so what happens is since we're not the church anymore, um, we're, we're more like another political organization. Um, we don't call what's sin, sin anymore. There, there's no more sin. So how do you, how do you persuade people to do what's loving if there's no sin, such thing as unloving? There's no sin. There, there, so, we, so we won't say, we won't, we won't say racism is, is a sin. We won't say that. Uh, we will not say hatred. I, I say it. <laughs> Thank you. Hatred is a sin. We won't say these things. And so people then they're able to skirt around. Well, you know, it's not that I'm really sinning or it's not that I'm really, I just disagree. No, it's more than that. I mean, the, the, the venom and the vileness by which you approach this say it's much more than simply, I disagree. If we just simply disagree, I mean, we can handle that, but no, this is, this is deep down inside of us, been there for a long time, passed on in some cases from our parents and our grandparents into us, and we don't even know that it's there, but we need to begin, to, we, we must content, I mean, sorry, I wanna say this, we must become the church again and stand up for what we stand up for and let people make their choices about where they want to go to church, where they don't want to go to church, whether they want to agree or want to disagree. I think there has to be a standard somewhere. And so for us, I was saying to an individual today, we keep talking about Jesus, but we don't want to be Jesus. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to get crucified. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah, the the uh, this idea that I I want to share in the blessings, the prosperity, the health of Christ, but I don't want to share in the suffering. And and Jesus was alone on that cross. Um, he was on that cross because he would not uh, fudge it, hide it, change it a little bit. You know, he, I was just looking at Matthew this week or uh, John chapter 18. He's like, he's like, I didn't teach anything in secret. <laughs> you know, when he's standing before the sand, he's like, I, I was never secretive about it. Um, persecution. I think sometimes if I read the Bible, right, Peter says, why are you acting like something funny is happening to you when you're persecuted? Absolutely. One of my and favorite scriptures. Yeah, I think sometimes the absence of persecution um, is not the the presence of God. It might be the the absence of conviction and boldness. Amen. Amen. The, and that gospel given with gentleness and respect, like the apostles tell us to give it, is in and of itself offensive. And Christ himself, he said, people hate you because of me. And if that's not hate, if that's not happening, then... Yep. Maybe you're not reflecting him well. I don't know. In the African American church, we have a uh, there's a, a a song, a powerful song that we like to sing, particularly around Easter time. But we sing it at other times too. He would not come down from the cross hmm. just to save himself, but he wow. decided to die that he might save me. Hmm. I think the church has come down from the cross. Come on. <laughs> we've gotten down off of the altar. We've gotten down off of the cross and said, listen, that's enough of that. I don't feel like being crucified anymore. I'll just, I'm going to just preach this. This is safe. and stay over there. And I'm not talking about preaching to have to just stir up controversy, but there's some things that's just the nature of the beast. If you bring it up, it's going to be controversial because it's kingdom oriented not culture oriented.
Joey, you said something earlier that really caught me when, when you said, you know, I, I need to call uh, my my congregation to come stand with me. And, and I think that's a challenge to everyone who's a shepherd. Um, I think there's within every congregation, there's people who are boogers, you know, they don't want anything to do with it. I think a lot, uh, if the, if the uh, metaphor that the scripture lays out is correct, I think it is, that there are shepherd and there are sheep, there are a lot of people who want to do the right thing and want to be on the right side of Christ and don't know what to do. And it's never been explained to them, and it, they've never been walked through it. And that's my responsibility. That, that's not my people being stubborn. You know, that, that's their pastor needing to have the strength and the courage to, to uh let God's word say what it says and then, and then explain the heart and the mind of Jesus correctly. And um, doing that with gentleness, you know, you don't need to rebuke people who aren't being rebellious, but you need to teach them and love them and lead them. And that's, it's challenging for all of us who are pastors. How powerful. Dr. Hawk, what are you going to say? Yeah, you go say something, Dr. Hawk. It probably left my mind, but I'm, I'm just thinking now, listening to to Jeff, I Part of the piece of this that I'm tracking is um, we're all messed up. I mean, yeah. Christianity begins with that premise. We are all messed up. Yeah. And we shouldn't have filters between ourselves and the Lord or Scripture, but we all do. We don't realize that we do. And we need each other to heal. I mean, we are, we are the hands and feet and heart of Christ to heal each other. And... And that's why I think Paul's statement here is so ironic. If, we, if we're not loving each other, we do the opposite. We, we bite and, and tear and tear down. Um, so it, it, it just seems to me that, that um, being family in a way and, and rebuilding a sense of, of real family dynamics means partly to create a place where um, my sister or my brother can say, you know, you, you, you've got some attitudes, opinions, practices, whatever here, um, that are more destructive than constructive. Um, you know, and begin to have, I love what you said, uh, Jeff, just uh, earlier about just sitting down with people and, and making that connection. Um, that just seems to me to be such an important peace because when we do that you know we we transform our perspectives of others from you know a problem or an issue or a friend or an ally into a fellow human being fellow christian that that um, may just have something important to say to me or to build me up Um, not just the folks that i hang around with and the other thing i want to say is that that we have got to get this right because as you all know, this is kind of a sideways comment, but we are losing an entire generation who looks at the church and says, you guys are phonies. You talk a good game, but you do not live it. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of uh, an organization that claims to be higher than all of the other institutions and, and yet exhibits all of the same meanness and nastiness and sin and racism and division and all of that. We've got to get this right. And we yeah. don't have a whole lot of time. Because we, we all know what it, it, it means to love and to be loved. We, we don't need explanations for that. We just need to do it. Yeah. I am... I, um... So I have this bad habit, or I knew it's a good habit, of uh, every nasty email that I get sent about anything, I answer personally. And um, that's how I can get a hold of you. Yeah, <laughs> be a jerk, and I'll be right on it. <laughs> um, but and uh, in, in my and when I answer it. Every single time I answer it, I ask, will you meet with me? I bet you 60 to 70% of the time, the answer is yes. That, that when, I, when I offer or ask for a relationship or conversation, 
the, the vast majority of the time, another individual will make that or take me up on that or offer that back. I think we, when we demonize people and discount people, Christ did not do that, you know? Now he said, if they don't want to listen, they don't want to talk, they want to be, you know, kick the sandals off, dust off your sandals and move on. He didn't, don't, don't throw your pearls before swine. But the amount of times that he met with, interacted with an enemy, sometimes they were persuaded, sometimes they were not. But that, that to me is the heart of Jesus. You love an enemy, you offer an enemy relationship. And it blows me away how much ground we will make. And I'll, I'll often say to them, I just did this last week. I looked at a person who deeply disagreed with me. And I said, um, I said, well, I said, I feel like I understand you better. Do you understand me better? And she said, yes. And I said, I don't think we agree. And she goes, we don't. And I said, do you know I love you? And she said, she started crying. She said, I do. I was like, okay, I think we've, we mission accomplished, you know, we, we walked out in a, in a bond of love. I just think we have to change gears. I don't know another way to do it. I, I don't think there's a mass market way to do it. Um, I really appreciate what, what Bishop's saying, the church being the church and, and the church being the church is the church being Christ. And that's the stuff Jesus did, <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and uh, Pastor Jeff, I think you hit that all on the head. You're doing an excellent job. And, and Dr. Hawk brought up another perspective. How many people that are out there uh, negatively representing a church actually represent the church? And how, many of, and how many of them uh are of, of the church people who are actually genuine, who are, are just silent. Yeah. I bet it's a large majority. Number two, I believe that most people today have no idea what conflict resolution is all about. All they see in the news, all they see is the nastiness and the contempt that we sensationalize in newspapers and in the media in order to sell time. And so I don't think they know how to do that. So when you ask them, Brother Jeff, will you sit down with me? That's probably number one. It's it's off. It, it, it sets something off. Like, I, I don't even know. I've never been asked that before. Mm -hmm. Number two, do you have a real genuine concern in me that you would take time to want to meet with me and then that you would listen to me? Uh, I think those are things that the genuine church ends up doing that you love people not that you're trying to change people so that's another whole perspective now I'm gonna, let's get together so i can persuade you that you're wrong and i'm right and well that's not that's not what we're doing we're getting together because we love you and a better understanding will allow us to walk closer together yeah. all right so i have a question for you pastors then <clears throat> I don't want to step on any landmines here, but be careful. Go right ahead. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if our theology, I mean, there's a theology I know that's out there that says just get them into the church, get them saved, and let the Holy Spirit deal with them. So we'll just try to get them up to the altar, make the decision, and then uh, the Holy Spirit. And, and we focus so much on that, I wonder, uh, that we don't. You know, we don't tell them up front, this is this is what it's going to cost, first of all. And, and on the other end, I just wonder how much attention we need to give to discipleship and, and significant efforts at reprogramming people who come out of an antagonistic culture, just, just full of all kinds of stuff. Um, what, how, do, how do we shape these? How do we shape these people? How do we reprogram people? How do we um, change this basic idea of how to interrelate with human beings apart from some kind of proactive, intentional uh, life together that is called discipleship? And I just I wonder if our theology is a, is a little thin on that respect. 
you you've hit the nail again on it. You guys are batting a thousand today, man. You're you're going to the Hall of Fame. Um, we're talking about discipleship. Is what we're talking about. Christianity in the early days was called the way. It wasn't called an event. It wasn't called salvation. It wasn't. Called, it was called the way. There is a way of life that you need to live. And now Christianity has become a method by which we try to get spiritual notches on our gun belt. Uh, I got five saved last week. How many did you get? Um, we are measuring our Christianity by the number of people that attend our churches, uh, by the number of people that we entertain on, online and say, this, is, um, this represents our impact. Discipleship, and I don't even like the word mentoring because I don't know if that's a biblical word or not. I come alongside of you and kind of help you if you kind of want help. No, I'm not mentoring, I'm discipling. Discipling means you're submitting yourself to me because you believe that I am a more mature Christian and that this is being passed down in a family system of Christianity by the spirit over time. It is a way of life. Now you wanna get in trouble, Dr. Hawk, you've just done it. Um, because we don't believe that. We tell people, come up, you know, all you gotta do is give your heart to God and now it's all fixed. And I ain't even sure they're saved, much less their wallet, their pocketbook, their values. We know that stuff's not saved. So we believe you can get your soul saved and nothing else ever change. I don't believe that. I don't think the Bible teaches that, but we do. Yeah, and I think, Dr. Hawk, I think that um, just like there's a cost when we come to Christ, there's a cost to discipling someone. You know, it's it's almost like you re-walking your own steps out again, right? Because you're going to see something in somebody and you've kind of went through it and it may trigger something in you. But there's a cost to discipling people as well because it there, there has to be an intentionality to it. That, again, I think it was said before in our conversation that you begin to understand, you know, you ain't coming down off that cross, meaning that I'm going to go there and be with that person. You know, like I'm going to be with you through this every step of the way, just like Jesus discipled his disciples. He was there with them, you know, hey, doubt, dismissal, whatever. He was still there with him. He still, you know, to, he didn't answer the text. But, you know, today we we're still going to answer the phone. We're going to reply to the text. There's a cost that comes with discipling. But I think we get over we get overcome, if you will with all oh, man, you got saved, but then we almost leave that person there at the altar. Mm-hmm. Oh man, congratulations, we pat on the back, do all the stuff, but kind of to, 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 to Bishop and, and Pastor Jeff's point, there's not that intentionality of relationship now, of now, man, go and walk with this person and also teach them the way, because what you want to do is you want to be able to play it forward, because they're going to have to go and disciple somebody as well, but there's a cost to it, and I'll be willing you know, and what we've done is, and, and, and I love that Bishop said that the church, we've come down off the cross. We haven't kept ourselves up there to that standard that I think Jesus has done for us. But it goes back to us. Um, how, how, who said it? it says we keep talking about Jesus, but we don't want to be Jesus. Discipling people is being Jesus. Mm-hmm. I am. Um... I find this interesting. Well, you did walk into a minefield too. <laughs> so, um, Told you it was getting dangerous. I think discipleship is more about receptivity than it is about performance. I don't, I've never been able to find in scripture how good of a Christ follower you have to be to be considered a Christ follower. I mean, David sucked at it. Solomon did. Abraham was no good. Peter wasn't. So I, I don't know what the standard of measurement is. 
um, what I like to say is I think the number one indicator for me that someone is truly desiring to receive what Christ is offering them is that they quit arguing with the Bible. And so instead of saying, what can I get away with? I'm starting to look and saying, how can I get closer to Christ? Um, I don't think you can separate evangelism and discipleship uh, because I think you filling your head with knowledge and having no passion for people who are going to hell is much more the way that the demons function than Jesus did. I also don't think that uh, you can walk an aisle, say a prayer, and never respond to Christ again, because I don't see how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and have no conscience or desire no God. So I never know what to do with it. Um, what I know is, is that true followers of Jesus are passionate to follow Jesus. Um, I don't know how good of a husband I have to be to be a good husband, but I know I love my wife and I know I want to be a good husband. I know that drives me. And, and I had a great dad. So I was at a real advantage going into the whole thing, right? Parents who were married 52 years before they passed away. So I never know what to do with that. What I do know is that uh, preaching has its place. Worship has its place. None of that is a complete picture. Attending church has nothing to do with following Jesus. Following Jesus, you attend church is going to help you do that, right? And and I don't think there's a program. I don't think there's a book. I, I really... Um, I really love what both Kemp and Joey were saying. Like it is the sharing of life, but the true disciple is the one who receives what's being shared. I had a friend I led to Christ. Um, three years later, he died of alcoholism. I'm 100% sure he's with Christ. He never was a good disciple. He never beat his addiction. Um, I got other people in my life that know the Bible better than I do, and they lack love. So I don't know what to do with it all as far as like codifying it. But I, but I do know that life on life offering and receiving is where we must be as a church. It's not bigger lights, bigger attendance, bigger budgets. It, it, it's uh, we're, when we when I say before the Lord. In, um, in judgment, I'm going to be judged, so to say, on the disciples that were produced from my church, not the budget and the attendance records that were produced from my church. Brother Jeff, um, this is going to go to uh, Brother Kemp. It's about time to wrap up. So, you know, I always give you stuff to, to do for the next time. Um, <laughs> they try to do it, too, but they can't do it as effectively as me. So, um that's I'm going to take, <laughs> take a stab at what Pastor Jeff just said, and then this is something for further discussion. I believe it revolves around, this is, about, this is the biblical answer, many people would probably not see it. It revolves around the heart. And that is talked about so much that I think sometimes we feel like even then, even though it's talked about, we don't spend much time about it because the heart is not an American concept. Um, we, we spend so much time with the head that we don't almost know what to do with the heart. But, but heart realities can be measured. Um, Jesus was able to measure them. Um, others were able to measure them. God is able to measure them. Now we can't measure them to the extent that he does. But let me give you two, two people where the Bible is pretty clear about the measurement, and they were Saul and David. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear that Saul had no real heart for God, and David did. Saul didn't really do a whole lot of bad things. I mean, he built an altar or idol to himself one time, and he, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, but he didn't do a whole lot of bad stuff. David killed a man, took his wife, did, did, <laughs> he did all kinds of stuff, okay? But where was his heart? What we're talking about are heart 
measures. And the whole thing we're discussing right now with racism and all of that revolves around the heart and how people respond and whether they're responding from the heart or not. The interesting thing about, I was looking up, I'm writing some stuff on abortion now because people are so confused, <laughs> that most people will vote what they believe about abortion based on politics. Even though a large portion of the people voting are Christians, they are not voting their hearts. Mm -hmm. They are voting their politics. Heart has to become more of what we are about. Biblical heart has to become more of what we're about. Yeah, Bishop, I think you, you just raised a key, a key issue there. And I just want to mark something. I think one of the things that gets in the way when we talk about discipleship is for us in the United States, that's a program, that's a method, that's standards, that's this, that's, and I, that's really not what we're talking about, I think. I mean, discipleship in the sense that people need to be intentionally positioned for the Holy Spirit to do the, the reprogramming in their hearts that's necessary to shape them into the image of Christ. Yeah. We're, all, we're all focused on methods and metrics and doing this. That's just the way we think, but I, I think that gets in the way of, of really prodding us to think about how we can position people in, in any number of ways to receive and to participate with the Holy Spirit's work in shaping them after the, into the image of Jesus Christ. Because none of us can really do that. That's, that's got to be the Spirit. It's got to be the Spirit. The, I like to say that uh, behavior cannot create love, but love always alters behavior. And loving Christ is the key to the Christian life. And here's, here's where uh, my heart is heavy. I've written a book about this and stuff. My heart's heavy. If you ask the average pastor, what does it mean to love Christ? Or how do you deepen your love for Christ? They cannot answer that question. They'll give you a list of behaviors. Read your Bible, go to church, try hard, quit smoking, drink. They don't know how to, to pursue the heart. And I say that as a pastor who for many years didn't know the answer to that question. I say that from a place of being guilty of it. And so I would give you legalism uh, as a way to, to respond to God instead of a, of a, of a deepening love. So the, does my love for Christ grow more and more? Does my love for my neighbor grow more and more? Does my love for my enemy grow more and more? Am I more angry at the jerk that disagrees with me politically, or does my heart break for him more and more? Those are the things that revolve around the depth of that love. Bishop, uh, Brother um, Kemp, Pastor, Dr. Elder Kemp. <laughs> hey, listen. It's, the, heart, it's... the heart of love, the heart of justice. We can put any other word you want to put in the blank, but we can start to talk now about what is the heart of those things? How would a Christian, what would a Christian's heart be like for racism, justice, love? Now we can start to now talk about from a biblical perspective, a kingdom perspective, yep. what does it look like? What should it look like? And now the church is back to where we ought to be, trying to facilitate mm -hmm. environments where through the power of the Holy Spirit, people can be transformed towards that, towards those particular perspectives. And, and if you want to get, if you want to get really ouchy, what is your heart toward the one who was unjust to you, mm. to your that, enemy, be your persecutor? Yep. Right? That that's that's the conversations that are our churches need to wrestle with. And that was the power of the early church. They, they love the ones who hated them. And absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the question, um, brother Kemp, um, brother, brother Jeff did better than I thought he could. Uh, what, <laughs> is, what is, what is your heart towards those who 
you disagree with. Yeah. What is your heart towards those that you hate? I mean, we can just you can just fill that up, but we'll we'll talk more about the heart, and that will that's keying in on why all of us can't get together because we're not operating from the heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as always, thank you so much for your time. I know that each and every one of you have very productive schedules. Um, the fact that you take time to meet with me and to do this, I am truly honored and blessed by it. Um, but we have still have a long way to go. And it's not hard work, but it's artwork that we got to do this with. So um, mm -hmm. thank you so much for tuning in with us on this episode of The Intersection. And no, we're always going to be coming with you to sharing Man, how does Jesus want to intersect with you, with all of us, and all of these very critical discussions that we need to be having so that we can continue to what grow and expand his kingdom here on earth? And so we just don't continue to praise and worship Jesus. We want to do that, but we also want to be him on this earth for such a time as this. Thank you so much for tuning with us. And thank you um, to Dr. Hawk, Mr. Johnson, and Pastor Jeff Bogue. We'll see you next time. Appreciate you. Love you, brothers, now. Love you. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for listening to today's episode of The Intersection, where we look at how everything intersects and brings us all back to Jesus. You can subscribe and follow us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. You can reach out to us with questions or comments at intersection at loveakron.com. That's intersection at loveakron.com. And we'll see you next time at the intersection.